0: In our last episode, we began an examination of the September 17, 2021 hearing, at which Judge Bruce Schroeder denied the prosecution's motion to admit evidence regarding the defendant's state of mind prior to the killings, and his later affiliation with the extremist group known as the Proud Boys. In this episode, we explore the motions presented by the defense in that same hearing. That's coming up after the break. The September 17, 2021 motion hearing in the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse moves from the prosecution to the defense motions. Judge Bruce Schroeder presides. The defense seeks a motion to admit evidence of Joseph Rosenbaum's criminal history, including his prior convictions on sex offense charges. Judge Schroeder begins the hearing.
1: Motion to admit evidence. That is evidence of uh, whether, because Joseph Rosenbaum had been convicted of uh, child sex offense and went to prison for it, I guess, three three different times, um, you can start talking with an extreme bias towards denying your request. Understood, Your
0: Honor. OK. After acknowledging Judge Schroeder's warning of the steep hill he faces, Rittenhouse's lead defense attorney, Mark Richards, argues why Rosenbaum's criminal status is relevant to the case and should be admissible.
3: Your Honor, his status as a felony offender is relevant in this case because based upon the facts of that evening and his conduct. When Mr. Rosenbaum was on the scene on the 25th, he made threats to numerous people, including my client and Mr. Balch, where he specifically said, if I get you alone, I'm going to kill you. And that happened earlier in the evening. It's reported. I received that in discovery from the government, from an FBI agent who interviewed Mr. Balch. Mr. Rosenbaum made other threats about not being afraid go back jail. He stated, I just got out that day, which was overheard by my client. And ultimately what ends up happening, and it's on the video, my client is walking down the street, Sheridan Road, towards what I would refer to as car source three, where the first shooting occurs. As he's walking down that road, Mr. Rosenbaum becomes aware of Kyle. He has been called and asked to go there to potentially put out fires that people are starting at that location. He asks for... You say he, you're talking of the Okay, go ahead.
0: Richards begins to walk the judge through his narrative of the sequence of events that occurred on Sheridan Road on the night of August 25th, 2020. Richards describes a fire burning in a dumpster and asserts that his client, Kyle Rittenhouse, was looking for a way to help put the fire out.
3: He asks... For a fire extinguisher from the gas station at the corner of 60th and Sheridan Road, somebody provides him a fire extinguisher. He takes off in the direction of 63rd and Sheridan Road, car source number three. As he's going to that location, Mr. Rosenbaum and Mr. Zaminsky are seen on video behind him and in front of him. My client starts off behind him, goes past them. As my client passes Mr. Rosenbaum, Mr. Rosenbaum has his face covered with his shirt in a ninja-type mask, not a COVID mask. It has over the top of his head and a slit for his eyes, hiding his identity. As my client goes by him, there's statements of get him, kill him, things like that. Whatever is said, is, it's in dispute, but there's something clearly said. As my client is aware that he is being chased, he's also being followed by a reporter by the name of Richard McGinnis. As he's being chased, McGinnis follows him. My client runs into the lot of car source three, right before he enters the lot, he's being chased. He drops the fire extinguisher so that he can get away faster, I would submit. As he gets into the middle of the car source three lot, Mr. Rosenbaum continues to follow chasing him. He throws something at him, which has now been determined to be a metallic type bag. You see it clearly in the video, Mr. Rosenbaum fires at my client. There's evidence that there was something in that bag that was removed before it's recovered by police, also from a statement from, I believe, it's Mr. Bulch. My client turns around, addresses Mr. Rosenbaum, still being followed by Rosenbaum and Richard McGinnis off to the side. Turns around when Mr. Rosenbaum does not stop, even though he's pointed a firearm in his direction, and begins running away further, and he's looking over his shoulder back at Mr. Rosenbaum, who continues to advance. Richard McGinnis states that Mr. Rosenbaum continues to run at Kyle, even though Kyle is now addressing him and pointing a firearm in his direction. Mr. McGinnis states that he lets out, as he describes it, a blood-curdling scream yelling the F being? Mr. Rosenbaum.
0: Go ahead. The prosecution has alleged a significantly different narrative for the series of events leading to Kyle Rittenhouse's firing his weapon. However, even if the parties were to stipulate to the facts, as asserted by Richards, the defense would still face a challenge in establishing the relevance of Mr. Rosenbaum's criminal record to Kyle Rittenhouse's perception of threat. Richards tries to overcome that challenge.
3: My client, as he's jumping towards him, fires the four shots, which take less than one second, hitting Mr. Rosenbaum. Your Honor, Mr. Rosenbaum had the will, he had the intent, and he had stated what his motive was to take somebody who he believed is a threat, who had put out fires that he had been starting, had been stopping them from burning down buildings, and now was his chance. Mr. Rosenbaum, because of his status as a convicted felon, is unable to lawfully possess a firearm could not purchase a firearm. He saw this as the opportunity to possess a firearm and take care of what he believed was a threat or a problem to the rioters, not demonstrators, rioters, which Mr. Rosenbaum was. It's highly probative. It explains why Mr. Rosenbaum possibly didn't bring his own gun, why he was seeking to get the gun from my client. And that isn't my client's words. My client would testify to that. But it's an independent witness who the government has listed as a complaining witness, Richard McGinnis, who says he was going for Kyle's gun.
2: to find out if it's right for you.
0: Judge Schroeder responds to defense attorney Mark Richards' motion for the admissibility of Mr. Rosenbaum's criminal record by circling back to an assertion made by Richards early in his argument regarding a statement Rosenbaum made to Rittenhouse about being recently released from jail.
1: Did you say uh, when you began that there is a witness who reported he hearing Mr. Rosenbaum say he just got out of jail that day to the accused?
3: Yes. He said he was announcing it to the people at Car Source 2 where my client was in the property. And it wasn't jail. He had gotten out of a mental institution. What is the evidence? I think. Well, we, yeah, I, what
1: he was, what institution he was in was not important. What the defendant, excuse me, what the decedent allegedly said is the important thing. He allegedly said what?
3: He said, words to the effect. I just got out of jail today. I'm not afraid to go back.
0: Sensing that the judge's initial skepticism of the defense motion may be softening, Prosecutor Thomas Binger seeks to rebut Mark Richards' assertions.
4: Judge, there are a lot of people out there commenting on this case that um, are happy that Kyle Rittenhouse killed a pedophile, Um, and that's the danger here. We don't want the jury to make a determination that somehow this was justified because it got one child molester off the streets. Uh, that is not what was going on here. I want to clarify that Kyle R- uh, Rittenhouse knew none of this, knew none of this at the time of the incident.
1: And I agree with you on so, all of what those points so that's, that you're making. I guess I'm struggling with, and as you recall, I started by saying that I, was, I had extreme bias against the defense position. Uh, but I'm struggling now a little bit because I'm hearing about this statement allegedly made by Mr. Rosenbaum about having just gotten out that day and not afraid to go back. If that is, in fact, a testimony that's going to be offered at the trial, um, it does put a different light on it.
0: Binger responds by challenging the plausibility of the defense narrative about Mr. Rosenbaum's statements and motivations.
4: With regard to the motive that Joseph Rosenbaum had that evening when he confronted the defendant, because that's where this really goes to. The defense wants to argue that his motivation in confronting the defendant was, among many other things which counsels just detailed, uh, a desire to obtain the defendant's gun because Mr. Rosenbaum couldn't get the gun any legal way. That is really what this is. How plausible is that motive? First of all, we have no evidence that Joseph Rosenbaum wanted a gun that night. None whatsoever. No one is going to testify that he ever tried to get a gun since his last felony conviction, that he ever said he wanted a gun that night, that he ever said anything about wanting to get armed that night. There is nothing in this record as to him saying anything about his motivations with regard to a gun.
0: Binger then takes on the overall narrative about the sequence of events laid out by the defense.
4: Second of all, counsels acknowledged everybody had guns that night. In fact, earlier in this hearing, counsel referenced a racist statement that Mr. Rosenbaum said. That is on video, everybody's seen it here other than the court. And it's clear Mr. Rosenbaum is walking up to individuals that are similarly armed to Mr. Rittenhouse that are openly carrying AR-15 style assault rifles slung around their shoulders. He gets in their face and he is challenging them. This happens on the videos. Now, does Mr. Rosenbaum at any point reach for anyone's gun in that situation? No. Does he try and take it away from anyone? Does he say, let me have that gun? Does he say anything about a gun? No. So I posit, Your Honor, that if Mr. Rosenbaum showed up randomly in Kenosha that night after having been released and decided, this is the night of all nights, I need to go get myself a gun because I can't buy it at the store. If he really wanted to steal it, he had the entire evening to steal it from countless people. To to say that that the best way for him to go get a gun that night is to approach an openly armed individual carrying an assault rifle slung around his shoulder and take it from him by force, it strains credibility, Your Honor. Now in their motion, the defense has suggested that there's some evidence Mr. Rosenbaum was reaching for Mr. Rittenhouse's gun. Now, they didn't mention that here in the hearing, but it's in their motion. Well, let's talk about the circumstances of that interaction. Yes, it is on video that at some point Mr. Rosenbaum is running through the 63rd Street car source, chasing after Mr. Rittenhouse. He throws a plastic bag, it's not a metallic bag, it's a plastic bag, uh, towards Mr. Rittenhouse, which lands harmlessly 10 feet behind Mr. Rittenhouse as they're running. That.
1: I've
0: read that. Judge Schroeder interrupts Binger again to drill down on a particular detail that is in dispute.
1: I've read that over and over again about the plastic bag being thrown at somebody. Now, when I if I throw a plastic bag at you, it's, uh, I guarantee it's not going to hit you. And that would be true if you're standing two feet ahead of me. So I guess I'm interested in what the motion, what the images show about the course of the plastic bag. I mean, did it just project uh foot and then drop to the ground? Or <laughs> nope. did it act like a missile in the direction of the accused? There, there was something inside the plastic bag. There was bag. something inside of we, it. Okay. We've never been
4: able to determine exactly what it was because it was not recovered in okay. evidence. This was a scene where obviously because of all sure. of the chaos and, and situation. But the
1: point is that it, it it's shown on video.
4: It, it flies it, into the air. It's not
1: just a plastic bag, which is what the complaint says, a plastic bag.
4: Sure. It flies into the air. It lands about 10 feet behind the defendant as the defendant is running away. I I don't think anyone can reasonably argue that it was a risk to cause bodily harm at any level to the defendant. I, I suspect Mr. Rosenbaum threw it out of frustration or anger, but it's but it's not a reasonable threat to the defendant's safety. My question
1: has been answered. Okay.
0: Satisfied with the prosecution's response to his inquiry, Judge Schroeder proceeds to his ruling.
1: There, there are a universe of motivations that Mr. Um, Rosenbaum would have could have had. And to I invite the jury to speculate that it was because he was, couldn't legally acquire one, I, that's too much for me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, grant the, uh, I guess it comes in here as a request on your part to admit that evidence, and I'm going to deny that request.
0: And so Judge Schroeder denies the defense motion to introduce evidence of Joseph Rosenbaum's criminal record. That concludes this episode of Jury Duty, the Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Join us next time for the first of our weekly recap episodes, where I'll be joined by Professor of Law and Director of the Criminal Defense and Prisoner Advocacy Clinic at Georgetown University, Abby Smith, to discuss the first week of our coverage of the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse.
2: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
0: You can find more information about this trial at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. This episode was written by Dewana Spate. It was co-produced by Chris Tarricone and Aaron Karenik. And it was edited by Chris Tarricone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. And Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse.